You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we never give a Loch Ness monster a dollar twenty-five. I'm your host, Justin Emlesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. We're recording this at the tail end of Thanksgiving weekend. I hope everyone out there had a good holiday. I hope you didn't fight with your families too much. Uh, I, I still believe that there is a lot to be thankful for in today's day and age, so I, I hope you reflected on what you have to be thankful for the the world uh the world isn't as bad as uh we may think it is uh, although there's a there's a lot going on uh check out the discord i i think i put the link to the uh to to a video in there you might want to check out i didn't but i'm going to throw it in there in a couple of seconds i'm going to throw it in there in a couple of seconds uh i think it gives an interesting perspective on things so check out the video i'm about to sh- throw in the discord It'll be in there after William's comment about, hey, about to go live. So that's how you'll know which one it is. I'm intentionally not being hyper-specific about it to, to, to sort of tease it a little bit. A few midsiders have uh, watched it. Uh, professional wrestler EC3 has watched it. So check it out. But let's get on with this show. Joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege and maybe to obscure the fact that he fried his turkey. I don't know. Is that controversial? William Green. People of Earth, I am Lur of the planet Omicron Percy I-8. Is this thing on? Hey, hey, welcome to the land of Omicron. Uh, Yeah, we had a nice uh, Omicron Thanksgiving, uh, deep fried uh, a turkey, and then two days later deep fried another turkey uh, due to logistical issues and me being obsessively prepped. Uh, Wasn't sure if the turkey I ordered would get here on time. It actually barely got here on time for me to properly brine it and uh, cook it, but I had another brine to the turkey ready to go. So uh, I deep fried two turkeys. That has to be like a, a macro aggression, a micro aggression or something, doesn't it? Well, I guess you could say I celebrated Thanksgiving and Indigenous Peoples Day, and that way it can, uh, you know, recover some woke points. Yeah, uh, you're going to have to explain to me the Omicron reference, though. <laughs> that's I mean, the that, new that, variant that's, that's that causing like, lockdowns that... across across Europe. Oh, the Omicron variants. That's how yeah. little I care about that stuff. <laughs> well, we're in the land of Omicron now. It's all about the Omicron. And what was that quote, uh that dropped from was it from futurama or, futurama. Family guy? or uh, yeah. futurama, futurama i was gonna say yep. simpsons and i said family guy like an idiot yep. yeah well I don't, I don't know i don't pay attention to that stuff so there's always going to be a new variant isn't there uh, well i think that's how respiratory viruses work but uh i <laughs> I, I will wait till uh till follow the science himself tells me so because if doubt uh, if dr fauci doesn't say it um we've got to follow the science we'll just follow the science on that one justin well, because if if we don't follow the science, we end up in the forever purge, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh. I thought you'd play the drop. Come on. 
floor I ever played... purge. <laughs> there it is. I, I played the long one, and that's why it didn't play. Oh, okay. I have the yeah. long one and the short one. All right. Well, all that's exciting, and we love he- talking about the pandemic on this show. Oh, I know. We don't. It's our, it's, our fa- it's our topic of the week every week. Notice how I've intentionally not had it in there in the last few weeks. Exactly. We have we have more, a lot more things stuff to, to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. We have to go back to our the other first that's in the world. So why don't we do that in Life on the Midside? Take a good look around. Just like when we sung, but we just complain and I hope that this mic is on. Cause I'm on the road here. I hope this is making some sense. I hope that you'll throw up your hands and sing it and tell all the haters that they should just shut up and As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. We accept any and all support, including affirmations. That's themidside.com slash Patreon or themidside.com slash Locals. So Wednesday, William, Wednesday, I think the Internet had to get all its farce out in one day because they knew they would have a couple days off the Internet. Yeah, yeah. There was just so much farce that was dropped on the Internet. And and the first thing I wanted to talk about in that sort of deluge of farce, and it was literally like the day of you'll never have peak farce because more and more kept coming out, right? The first thing I want to talk about with that is it's just a headline. It's a headline, and you don't even need to go into the story or anything. This is a literal headline from CNN.com. Dollar Tree hikes prices 25%. Most items will cost $1.25. And the reason that's so farcical to me, William, is, is that not concrete evidence of the way inflation changes the world, yet people still deny it? Yeah, the effects of inflation. It's crazy, and it solidifies it solidifies everything about it. I mean, it the the inflation metric that we're told is just complete farce, right? The the they have this concept of a basket of goods, but here's the thing: the basket they keep changing it, and they keep changing it because well, that's not what people are buying. Well, people aren't buying those previous things because they're now expensive, right? So imagine imagine an absurd scenario to give an illustration. If you're eating, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, filet mignon and um, fresh vegetables, and that's in the basket one year, and then the next year, uh, you know, filet mignon is now thousands and thousands of dollars. So now you buy um, uh, what's that? That insect meal that we're supposed to eat, and uh, and some, uh, I don't know, some, uh, you know, whatever reconstituted vegetable uh, soy protein. Uh, and then you say, well, look, the prices have stayed the same, right? The price of the basket has stayed the same. So clearly there's no inflation. So the fact that you can't get certain items is just not factored into how we calculate inflation. Are, are they only talking about the items inside the basket? Because I'm uh, pretty yeah, they sure just the price the of the basket itself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The basket itself we can't afford either now. <laughs> that's, that, that was definitely an item that's $1.25 in the dollar store now. Yeah, yeah, they'll take uh, the Dollar Tree items will be removed from the basket, I'm sure. Well, and and that's sort of like the what you're describing, William, is sort of how we're victims of our own success. And what I mean by that is 
we've been so successful as a society, and this is what people forget, you know, compare us to the history of the world. We've been so successful that, yeah, you certainly can go into Walmart and you can buy food that will last for the week and it's pretty cheap. But it's as you're saying, and as this story article, the title is pointing out indirectly, it's the change in the the quality of the life. And the changes in the choices available to people. I mean, ultimately, right, we love to talk about money as if that's the metric of success. But ultimately, William, isn't the the metric of freedom really choice, having more options yeah. available to you? Yep. And th- what this does is, as you're pointing out, they – what this does – sorry. As you're pointing out, it gives you less options available – and all they're doing is changing the basket to make it seem like there are as many choices available, but there aren't. And it's, I don't know, dude, like I didn't know about the basket thing before you just said it. And it's, this is one of those times where it's hard for me to witness the farce, <laughs> but maybe that's where the farces exist. Yeah. Are you that fucking stupid that yeah. they change the items in the basket and you believe them? Yep. Like, really? Somebody changes the item in the basket. I go, you just changed the items in the basket. No, I didn't. It's a, do, you ever, do you ever see that South Park where Jesus turns water into wine and he puts water on the table and then he tells people, turn around, turn around. And then they turn around, he puts wine on the table and they turn back around and it looks like he turned water into wine. Like, that's what they're doing here, isn't it? Yeah, it's the old switcheroo, right? It's uh, it's the 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 there's a lot of problems with macroeconomic stats, but that's like that one in particular is just whenever it's brought up, I I just can't help but chuckle because it's just it's it's worse than meaningless. It's basically a political tool. What percentage of a baby now fits in a basket with inflation? I don't know. That's a good question. What I would like the basket to do is I would like the basket to be a comparison of Easter baskets across decades. What's in an Easter basket now versus what was in an Easter basket 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Yeah, it's Uh, funny just to think about like, uh, you know, like even something, you know, we, we take for granted, like, you know, how, you know, housing prices are going up and up and up and, and that's, you know, you look at other places with less, with more freedom, like technology, you know, what you can get for, you know, a thousand dollar computer, uh, you know, people paid like $3,000 for houses back in the day. They paid a thousand dollars for houses back in the day. They got, they should have gotten cheaper over time, not more expensive over time, more expensive to build. Right. Forget the land itself. Right. It's crazy. Well, and that's the that's the real thing that you just hit on there is the the inverse relationship of it. As we create more of something, we should get better at producing it, so it should become cheaper to create and thus just cheap cheaper to buy. But the prices of everything have has gone up over the past hundred years, right? Not for everything, but for a lot of things that have to do with with building things uh, a lot of a lot of uh, what we're seeing right thing. now is just the general well i mean you could say something about like the price of like ram let's say or you know the price per uh oh you're talking about computers in specific yeah. i meant in general in life oh, i'm yeah, saying everything yeah like i mean yep. you see these signs about like mcdonald's back in the day a cheeseburger used to be 25 cents right yeah yeah 
All right. Well, when we're talking about the past and comparing to the past, another one of those farce dump stories that came out. And I, this is absurd on, on two levels. It's absurd that this actually happened, but it's also absurd because it proves something Trump said correct. And I hate having to admit that, but right, we're, we're honest here in the midside. Uh, a statue of Thomas Jefferson was removed from New York City Hall. Do you know the reason, William, the statue was removed? Uh, wokeness? Well, yes, but do you know the specific reason? Uh, it's got to be slavery. Right. Rape culture. It's because he owns slaves, right? Because he owns slaves. And, and the best quote, uh, there's a New York Post article, right? There's a New York Post article, and the best quote is from a professor, Aaron Thompson, a professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. And I'm not even going to say the name of the book she authored because you're not going to get a free pro- promo on my on my show. But she said, removing a monument without a public conversation about why it's happening is useless. New Yorkers all need to talk about who we want to honor and why. So this is that sounds like a good quote from Thompson, right? You're like, oh, all right, Thompson, she gets it. But this is the follow up quote they have from her. Moving this statue doesn't mean New Yorkers will forget who Thomas Jefferson was. But some of them might learn from the controversy that the man who wrote all men are created equal owned over 600 of his fellow humans. So there's a couple of things going on here, William. The first is the disingenuous nature of which this article is written and which this professor presents herself, where she says something reasonable. And then once she has you thinking, oh, this is a, a reasonable person, she says something absolutely insane. Now, why is the thing she says absolutely insane? But some of them might learn from the controversy that the man who wrote All Men Are Created Equal owned over 600 of his fellow humans. This is completely dropping context, William. And what I mean by that is something I will never forget in my life, especially because, you know, I visited when all of this was sort of gaining even more strength, right? When wokeness was, when everyone was starting to wake up, we'll say, sarcastically. I visited Monticello, and one of the things they were sure to point out is that Thomas Jefferson basically said, and I'm paraphrasing here because Jefferson didn't say it this way, but he basically said, hey, we can't fix the entire world. Somebody else has to deal with this. Now, what he really said was, you know, slavery is a problem for another generation to figure out. But I guess the retort to me would be, William, and I'll ask you this. Is Thomas Jefferson a hypocrite because he realized slavery was wrong, but he still owned slaves? I don't think so. I mean, I'm no expert in the founding fathers or his historians in general, but, uh, or, or sorry, or an historian in general, but it, it, I feel like, uh, we apply things, we apply today's standards to history at our own peril. And there's a lot of writing by Thomas Jefferson uh, against slavery. And there's a lot of things that, that were done to, you know, lay the seeds for what would then become the civil war uh, and the freeing of slaves. It seems like we, it, if you live in a world where, as an example, you know, we, I think taxation is theft. Does that mean that I should never pay taxes? And, and, uh, you know, fight to the death uh, when they try to take my money? No. Uh, so what does that, like, in, in, in 
50 years if uh if the world changes and uh and and we have a uh a true government with consent of the governed does that mean that i should be looked back upon as a hypocrite probably not for that yeah but is it not worse because this is literally dealing with owning another human being well i i maybe but i mean it's about the government owning me right now that was the response that was the response right no i i agree with everything you're saying william and it's it's completely ridiculous to judge these historical situations from these contexts and to take down this statue of thomas jefferson i don't know how we could ever have any statue in the history of the world at this point don't we have to go down and take down every athlete statue I mean, isn't there a statue of Michael Jordan in front of, uh, I don't remember the name of the Chicago Bulls arena, but isn't there one there? Won't they have to take that down because of his problems with gambling? Yeah, that's a good point, probably. I mean, we we can't honor anyone because everyone has said something in the past that was uh, not anti-racist enough. Right. And it's like I said. Didn't Trump say that if you let them take down some statues, they'll start taking down statues of Thomas Jefferson and George Washington? Yeah. yeah. And didn't everyone tell him he was nuts for saying that? They did. And here I we mean, are. is that not gaslighting? I guess it's part and partial to uh, to gaslighting. I mean, what what other what other conclusion can we not draw, right? Other than Hey, the thing that we predicted happened, thing that Trump predicted happened. I mean, we, we, I think we agreed at the time. We were like, yeah, this is, this is dumb, right? This only leads to erasing history. And that's what it's led to. Right. And it's just funny to me that, you know, people were like, oh, this is Trump being insane. And look at uh, how insane he is. And uh, this will never happen. And then it happened. And it was just kind of like, why do these people continue to talk? Why do these people continue to talk? Uh, so the next couple of stories are, you know, why are these people continuing to talk? But before we move on to those, I actually dropped a link from uh, Monticello.org into the discord for you to check out. So any listeners out there, if you want to read that link, it's all about Thomas Jefferson and slavery and what he thought towards it. And they even link to a whole list of quotes that he wrote or said about slavery. So there's a literal website out there that has all this information and it's an official website. And I mean that it's by the organization that runs where he lived. So it's a historical intellectual scholarly website and a professor claiming we should have these discussions is not even participating in these discussions. Is there not a greater example of farce than that? Of course, I say that. And then the next story that was sort of dumped on that Wednesday, uh, this headline I absolutely love. Experts caution use of looting in describing rash of Bay Area smash and grab. Grabs, plural. So, William, even this headline, right? We have one word that stands in for three smash and grabs. Isn't that the whole point of words is their unit economy for concepts? So even in the headline, they're undermining their own point. Yeah. And well, then did you good? Oh, I was going to say, well, this is just, uh, you know, uh, uh, mostly peaceful 
uh, shopping. That's what's going on. <laughs> that oh man, that's the name of the episode. Hold on, let me write that down. The mostly mostly peaceful shopping edition. All right, that's a good name. I gotta write that down because if I don't, I'll forget it. All right. So that's perfect. No, and that's 100% what it is. And when you read this article, it's absolutely fucking hilarious because you're like, well, who are these experts? Literally, the expert is race and social justice reporter Julian Glover. And it says it's here to give us some context. <laughs> of an expert. Wow. A, so first of all, he's a reporter and he's an expert. I didn't know reporters were experts. If they were, I need to change my whole world perspective because I don't understand anything they're saying. So I must be an idiot. And then he's here to give us some context of looting, right? Context. As the Bay Area grapples with a wave of seemingly organized smash and grab robberies this weekend, policing and journalism analysts are cautioning against the use of the term looting. And then we have a quote from the police chief, Bill Scott. By the way, that quote from that guy is useless, right? Useless. So here's a, a quote from the police chief, San Francisco police chief, Bill Scott. The Louis Vuitton store was burglarized and looted. The Burberry in Westfield Mall was burglarized and looted. And then T continues on here. Oh, no. Here's, sorry. Sergeant Christian Camarillo, public information officer for San Jose Police. We are talking about two incidents. We're not going to call this looting. This is organized robbery. That's what it is. What about looting can't be organized? Why does looting have to be disorganized? Well, no, no. Looting is reserved for uh, the mostly peaceful protesting, right? Because it's weird. It's a weird like flex because it's like when when that was called looting, um, it was racist to call it looting. But now I guess they're trying to reclaim looting and like reserve it only for political violence. I don't know. I, I don't know exactly what the play is, but I mean, the officer's right. This is probably like way more organized than people are giving uh, credit for, right? Uh, can a riot not be organized? Yeah. Well, yeah, it can. A violent disturbance of the peace by a crowd is the definition. An impressively large or varied display of something. So a, a riot can be organized. So why can't looting be organized? Because if looting has to take place during a war or a riot, can't looting be organized? Yeah, I think it can be. It's, it's just, looting is a term, here we go. Looting is a term, this is from Lorenzo Boyd, PhD professor of criminal justice at the University of New Haven. Looting is a term that we typically use when people of color or urban dwellers are doing something. We tend not to use the term for other people when they do the exact same thing. Who? Who does that, Who William? Who does that? Yeah. Who does Who? that? Who, Who takes an inventory of the race before they call it looting? And by the way, so l let me get this straight. Hypothetically, based upon this, if black people loot, it's not actually looting because when white people loot, it's actually looting. We don't call it that, though. Is that the logic here? We're not supposed to think. We're supposed to feel. And looting makes us feel feel a way, and and then you know, uh, organized burglary makes us feel a different way. And apparently, w for whatever reason, this ex this uh, reporter is trying to convince us that we should feel that particular way. I want to know did did the reporter take an inventory of the race of these people? Is that why she's <laughs> not calling them, or he or she or whoever? 
is not calling it looting? Well, we have a number of experts from this story saying different things, but I have a oh. question for you. When you think of a pirate, what race do you think of? White. Do pirates loot? Uh, yes, and they steal your booty. Right. <laughs> they do many things to your booty. Among them is looting. Um, isn't that the main example in history of looting is pirates? Uh, plundering as well. Uh, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> what is the difference between looting and plundering? I need to look this up. I don't know. <laughs> I think plundering. we need to do research. Watch Pirates of the Caribbean. See if we can steal goods from a person or place, typically use force and at a time of war or civil disorder. So I guess they're right. This isn't looting. This is plundering. <laughs> what a crazy thing to be. What is even the difference between looting and plundering? I, I just mean like for our reporter, what a crazy angle to take on the story. I mean, I guess huge success you got on the midside. Uh, why aren't we talking about the fact that we had a completely predictable result from the uh, raising of the bar for felony um, burglary? So they yeah, you're talking about—is that in general or in San Francisco in specific? I think it's—I think it's all across that county, whatever that county is. Right. Well, I, I look. People might call me a conspiracy theory for this, but conspiracy theorist for this, but I think that's kind of the point. I think that's kind of the point. And what I mean by it, it's a redistribution of goods, right? They would say, oh, well, the people who are stealing it must really need it. That's why they're stealing it. It's, you know, the, the, the wage slavery or the capitalist system is keeping them from being able to get what they need. So this isn't really looting. It's just the redistribution of wealth. Yeah. Yeah, well, things are certainly getting redistributed. Well, something else that people on the far left or the woke, and I didn't mean for this episode to be the anti-woke episode, but you know what? That's the greatest farce in our society right now. Uh, something else that they want redistributed is Joe Rogan. And what I mean by that is there is an article in Vice. And by the way, even this headline makes no sense, right? The article is Joe Rogan is everyone else's problem. And essentially what, what this article is trying to say is Joe Rogan is leading a double life. He's leading a double life completely in public, William, right? Completely publicly. Yeah, yeah. Completely publicly and openly. <laughs> right. Where on one hand, he's a commentator for MMA, UFC. And on the other hand, he does a podcast where he doesn't shy away from having quote-unquote, alt-right figures such as Alex Jones on his show. And uh, Tim Pool is another one they reference, right? And I know you're a big Tim Pool fan. Yeah. So yeah. supposedly this is a double life he's living. A double life. Meanwhile, you could find all the episodes on Spotify on a, a, a very popular platform. Well, that's clearly hidden from all, all of the left. I mean, the left doesn't listen to Joe Rogan when he was on YouTube or on Spotify. So is the standard we're now using that people have to listen to you to know or have it be available? Because the standard I use is if it's available, it's not hidden, right? When you say someone's leading a double life, usually it's like, oh, that guy is married to a woman, but then he's secretly off having sex with men. 
Right. They did that episode of South Park making fun of that trend with uh, yeah. Butter's dad. Right. Yep. That's usually what we mean by double life. We don't mean publicly and openly and honestly doing different things. Would you say the lost episodes for this podcast are hidden? Does that mean you're living? They're leaving, more hidden than Joe a, Rogan's a double life? episodes. <laughs> I mean, there, there's not anything different about them, so I wouldn't call them a double life, but they're they're more hidden. Yeah. 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 Look, and, and here's how this this article doesn't make sense, right? The headline doesn't make sense. Here's the final the final uh, paragraph of this this article. All of which brings us to a rather surreal state of affairs where Rogan will, with one hand, continue making an increasingly outlandish set of claims surrounded by an increasingly troubling set of bad actors, while with the other will apparently continue to appear on ESPN as the face of the UFC, a globally popular sport that'll keep growing his reach and his star power. That state of affairs, for the time being, doesn't seem to bother anyone with decision-making power. After all, it's our problem not theirs. So I guess they're saying the headline is from the perspective of ESPN and UFC and other people with power. Is that what they're saying? Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's but all power it dynamics, right? In the, in this uh, mindset. So, Oh, a hundred percent. It's all power dynamics. And we can talk about the idea that it's all political, right? The argument they make, but isn't the problem their use of the word problem. And what I mean by that is it's our responsibility. And what I mean by it's our responsibility is, isn't that the entire point that when he's on UFC, when he's on ESPN, when he's on news radio, he shouldn't be sharing his point of view, his politics. He should be talking about his knowledge that's relevant to the topic at hand. His knowledge of MMA is what he should be talking about there. So then it's our responsibility to decide, A, if we want to listen to him talk about other things outside of UFC and B, if he does, it's our responsibility to figure out if we agree or not, if we trust in what he's saying, why should it be the, the responsibility or quote unquote problem of ESPN or UFC? Yeah. I mean, what does it mean to, does it mean that if anyone I mean, the world that that makes is the everything is political world, right? Where you have to have a political test in order to work any job. Because what if you, you know, if you express some viewer, heaven forbid you've interviewed Alex Jones, then that puts you on some sort of no platform, no work. Like, what would that even mean, right? Are they saying, you know, Joe Rogan's existence creates a hostile work environment? Like, what, what are they really saying? Where does it end? Right, and that and that's where it's it has to end with anti freedom, and it has to end with anti individualism. Because as I was saying, it's puritanism. It, it's it's you must right. have this purity, and in order to participate in our society, quote unquote, right? And right, it's collectivist puritanism. Yeah. Is I want to yeah. be clear about that. Yeah, because it's the idea that there's one set of standards for everyone. And if you don't meet that set of standards, you can't work anywhere and you're not even allowed to talk anywhere. Right. Because the problem with Joe Rogan is, yeah, he has some views they don't like. Right. They talk about his his discussion of vaccines, but it's mainly that he's interviewing these people. So this is two steps removed. Not only can Joe Rogan not have certain views, but really he can't talk to other people that have 
bad views that have been ostracized. And there's no way you can have freedom when, when this is the standard people hold. There's no way that you can have freedom because that, that means there's no such thing as freedom. Oh, you're free to do what you like, but that they'll, they'll turn it around. Oh, you're free to do what you like, but that doesn't mean you're free of the consequences of social ostracization or being fired from your job. It's, it's tough, William, because I very much have libertarian sympathies, but what do we do when the social society is being weaponized? This article is a weaponizing of the social society. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah, I think so. So what you're, what you're saying is it's, I, well, I think what, what that leads to is a destruction of any sort of individuality. It, it's all about conformity. The power right. is the power to conform or to right, force because, uh, uh, conformity. Right, because our social relationships, which were never politicized before, and I mean politicized on a collective scale. I don't mean on an individual scale. You've always had the right individually not to interact with or to interact with who you wanted to or didn't want to. But remember, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was governor as a Republican, is married to a Kennedy, right? The the famous Democratic dynasty, the Kennedys, right? And um, James Carville, famous Democratic pundit in, in, in and uh, I don't know what I was going to say besides pundit. Um, Famous Democratic pundit is married to a Republican, right? So there are examples throughout history of people who were different politically than how they associated socially. But now it's weaponized. And what I mean by that is it's now as a group, you have to put that group identity before anything else. So you can't socially interact with people if they disagree with you. So there are social consequences now. That never previously existed. And I guess it's a a, a time to say short-term versus long-term. There are short-term social consequences now that never existed. Maybe you could argue in the long run because everything has a long-term effect. What you believe could have negative consequences on you. But now people are being, I don't know, pressured into holding positions and ostracizing other people based on the positions they hold so that they can have short-term well, benefits. It's even more transitive, right? Like you're supposed to ostracize people who fail to ostracize. Yes. Which is nuts, right? That's like, I mean, I hate to say it, but remember that in like high school or middle school where like everyone would be picking on someone and someone wouldn't pick on the person and they'd be like, Oh, now we're going to pick on you. Isn't yeah. it the same thing? Yeah. And what well, about it's very cultish always... behavior, right? It's yes. it's not just isolating, like you said. It's just it's not just saying, well, I don't like Joe Rogan because he has, uh, you know, Alex Jones on. It's 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 well, it, you know, Alex Jones is evil, and therefore you having him on is evil. So therefore, we should, as a society, band together and do something, quote unquote, about Joe Rogan. Right. And that's the end of the ending with the ending of the article is insinuating, right? After all, it's our problem, not theirs. It's insinuating, A, they should take care of it. But if we're if they're not going to, we need to take care of it. 
And that that's a theory I've held for a long term time is the people who act this way and who have put forward this are the people who never got over this feeling of that they were losers in high school or losers in middle school and they never got over it. And I'm not saying they were, or they weren't, and I have no idea, you know, what they actually were in high school. I'm saying that was the impression they had. And so they still interact and live the world as if that's what the world is like. Yeah, it's a very immature emotional uh, emotional stage of development. Yeah. Well, speaking of immature, that leads right into the movie review for this week. So let's head into it in The Hopeful Bromantic with JML. Put me into syndication, broadcast to a network station of people viewing their favorite episodes. I can't find a new pitch to throw the studio. Focused on. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so in our Discord channel. You find the link to the Discord at the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast by clicking on any episode link, and then in there is the invite link and the invite code. Click on that, join us in the Discord. I've already referenced it a couple times in this episode. I dropped a, a video in there for you all to check out. It's about 20 minutes. I dropped some a link in there which has some quotes from Monticello.org about Thomas Jefferson and slavery. So there's a lot of good information in there this week. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the review this week because the movie doesn't warrant it. I also don't feel bad spoiling it because it's sort of obvious when you know what the movie is, what's going to happen in it. So there's I watched... There's a in the barn and Lori's pregnant. Yeah, pretty much, although the movie spoils itself, but... Uh, I watched with my wife a movie called Love Hard on Netflix. This is a, a Christmas movie, and it's also a rom-com. In it, a reporter for like a BuzzFeed-type website in Los Angeles it meets a guy on a Tinder-type website, and she flies out to upstate New York to surprise him. Well, it turns out the guy's been catfishing her. Except the guy's pictures he was using is another guy in the small town who is actually there. And the guy who catfished her says, if you pretend to be my girlfriend, I will help you fall in love with that guy. Well, William, the story ensues. And who do you think she ends up with? The catfisher. The catfisher, right? So like I said, I don't feel bad about spoiling this. And the other reason I don't feel bad is if we take that it's that predictable on that level, it was that predictable in like all of the cringe scenes, right? So movies like this have the cringe scenes. And one of them is when she first finds out she's catfish, she runs to the bar and that's where she sees the guy who well, the catfish used his pictures of. And she's like, oh, I got to impress this guy. So she decides she's going to do karaoke to impress this guy. And the only problem is, in order to do that, she needs to drink. Because, oh, she has social anxiety. And what do we do when we have social anxiety? We drink. Well, she steals a random shot. A bartender puts a random shot on the bar. She takes it. She goes, I need this more than they do. Which, okay, apparently we can just do that now. And she takes it. She drinks it. But there was an ingredient she was allergic to. So her face swells up. 
and she's delivering the karaoke while she is swollen from her allergy. And comedy, canned laughter ensues. Right. So this whole movie is very predictable in this way. So it's not going to get a good rating. But before I, I, I close the book on this movie, I do have to say that there's one thing I appreciated about it. In order to get to the ending of her ending up with the catfisher is she had to go through pursuing the guy who the catfish used his pictures by altering who she was to make herself more likable to him. And at a certain point in the movie, he does say to her, so you, you were catfish and you turned around and did the same thing to me. Now, this is something that I think is important to talk about. I think it's good that the movie addressed this. And I think it's a real phenomenon. People who, quote unquote, catfish in real life, especially those people who are good looking, right? They rely solely on physical attraction, chemistry, and they alter themselves in in a second-handed way to be liked by the other person. So the movie, I think, is attempting to address an important point. But it's sort of like they took that one idea and they worked backwards from it. And everything else they did when they worked backwards was totally cliche and boring and shallow. I mean, even the end starts to be slightly ambitious where and I think this is probably in a number of movies nowadays. It's the rom-com where she has to go pursue the guy. At the end, she is the one who asks the guy for forgiveness and tell confesses her love to him now she does it because the guy loves the movie love actually she does it by taking the gimmick from love actually where she writes on cardboard to tell him things about how she feels which again that shows how unoriginal and derivative the movie is so maybe it's just netflix and if you remember the south park episode Hello, Netflix, you're greenlit. Hello, Netflix, you're greenlit. And maybe it was just they liked the idea of, oh, we're going to, you know, use catfishing and we're going to do a catfishing Christmas movie, which I guess the movie was as terrible as a catfishing Christmas movie sounds. Uh, But they probably liked it because it sounded original and they were like, we're going to critique real life catfishing. But just because you have a good idea doesn't mean the execution doesn't matter. Yes, there was an attempt at catharsis here, but... The catharsis wasn't earned and it wasn't well executed. So it's not a great movie. Now, am I going to give it the worst rating? No, I'm not going to give it the worst rating. Because as I said, there is an attempt at ambition here. The problem is it's just done in a cliche way. And ultimately it makes both main characters unlikable. So you're like, why do I care if they end up together? Honestly, the people I felt the most bad for in the entire movie were the catfish's family. Because they just wanted him to be, besides his brother, who was shown to be a douchebag, but like the catfish's parents, who show, parents and grandmother, who showed that they just wanted him to be happy and they were good, well-meaning people. I don't know why it was done in that way. I don't even know if that was intentional, but that sort of sums up the movie. Okay, we talked about movies that, a movie that came out. Let's talk about movies that are coming out or shows. We got a lot of shows on trailer takedown this week i usually don't like to do shows i don't like to do shows because they can change and develop and twist and turn from the trailers but we're in that time of year 
not Christmas time, but that time of year where there's not a lot of good trailers. There's not a lot of new trailers, right? Trailers are really hitting from like February to August, right? That's the huge season. And we know what the big movies are in December this year, right? We've got Spider-Man No Way Home and The Matrix 4. Those are the big movies. So there's really not a lot of trailers right now because January, February, those aren't known as movie season. So we're left with a lot of trailers. Now, I usually drop the trailers in the Discord on Saturday. If you would like to watch the trailers before we talk about them, you can do that or you can do it after, you know, watch them after we talk about them or you can intertwine it. Watch the trailer, we talk about it. Watch the trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Bel Air is, and it's not really a full trailer. It's sort of the opening title sequence for the the gritty dark reboot of The Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, Will Smith is an executive producer on it. This was dropped in the Discord by Midsider uh, Kevin because he wanted us to talk about it. And he left a comment about it. Let me see if I can find this comment about it. Here we go, scrolling up. Yeah, he said, I think this belongs here, and for the record, I'm a tackle. So he's tackling this, and I can understand why. Because the the teaser doesn't really make any sense. Why is he underwater the whole time? Why is that the opening credits? I don't know. Is that supposed to be a visual metaphor for how his life is? And they call it Bel Air, like, you know, how we had the show Gotham. It just feels like this is the end of a trend. Right. It's at the tail end of a trend. It's hopping onto this. And do we need wokeness for the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Isn't the reason the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air worked and was successful because it forwarded race relations? And what I mean by that is think of what launched Will Smith into stardom. And now think of what they're doing with this trailer. They're trying to show a gritty, realistic, oh, what would it really be like if a black person tried to be the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Do we need that? Or is that setting back what we did in the 90s? Or is the point that, oh, Will Smith was just a token in the 90s? I don't know. I don't care to see this, just like I don't care to watch the Saved by the Bell reboot, which at least, you know, it's a different style of comedy, but at least they had the good decency to stay comedy. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, it, <clears throat> the, watching the trailer, it's just, it seemed pretentious. And uh, that's not a good sign uh, when you're going to take a comedy and then you're going to turn around and apparently make it serious. It just comes off as super pretentious. Can you like it would have been better. I'm not sure I would hug it. But it would have been better if they took the Cobra Kai approach. Right. And and push things forward and had the similar sort of meeting of the worlds with more of today's uh, race relations. That would be fascinating. Right. And maybe maybe it not be in Bel Air like that may not make sense and maybe as but maybe have that be part of the setting. I'm not sure. Maybe L A is essential to the show. I don't know. But but yeah, I don't know. I I look at this trailer and I think, well, wow. We had the for they have the formula with Cobra Kai. Something like that would be interesting. But this just looks so pretentious. Tackle. Tackle. Two things from what you said, William. Okay. Yeah, you're going to hit the step on it, Justin, thing. Oh, I got to wait till you start to make a point. 
So, so the two things are Wait a step one, on it, Justin. There it is. All right. I feel like that that drop is like getting slimed on Nickelodeon back in the day. Now, <laughs> like remember when they used to tease it and someone tried to avoid it and they hit him anyway? Like it's the same thing. Yes. Anyway, uh, the the first thing is, I think of like Bel Air, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, like Saved by the Bell, where people who made the show and adults may have realized that they were set in California. But when you were a kid and the target market for these audiences, for the target audiences for these shows, I don't think realized they were in California because ultimately them being in California didn't matter much. Right. I mean, even say no. by the bell, right. With the Malibu, right. They were set in Malibu or whatever. Right. But when they did the beach episodes, they were set in Hawaii. So why did it matter that say by the bell was in California? It was, I, I always thought Saved by the Bell was sort of like, oh, this could take place at any high school in America. Same thing with the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. The point wasn't that they were in Bel-Air. The point was this is a rich black family who took in uh, a poor black kid. And that's where the comedy comes from. Am I wrong? Yeah, it was. It was a contrast of race and class. Not to sound all Marxist all of a sudden, but that's really what it was. It was showing a upper middle class sort of culture versus the sort of street Philly culture, right? Right. And it didn't even go into Philly in particular. It was just, that's where Will Smith is from in real life. They didn't really go into like, what is Philadelphia culture? You know what I mean? It's not like nowadays where like they'd be like this movie is set in Boston and then like, you know, you watch The Departed and it's super fucking Boston or like, you know, Mark Wahlberg does a movie and there's like 80 references to Dunkin Donuts. Right. It's it's not the same as yeah. as it was back then. Back then they took those things, but those were more markers. And especially on TV, it was made to be digestible for everyone. And again, that's my main problem with the Saved by the Bell reboot, too. Like, I don't like it doesn't need to be about California. Stop making everything about California, California people. Jesus, nobody cares. Uh, And the second thing is that is what Cobra Kai does well. Yes, Cobra Kai, William, is set in Bel Air and around that area, right? Yeah. You know what I never realized? I never realized the Karate Kid was set in California. Again, yes, he came from New Jersey and went to California, but that wasn't the centerpiece of the show. That wasn't the point. It was supposed to be about high school kids interacting, and that's the way it was, and him growing and becoming stronger because of that. And you know what? That's what the new show's about. They've just updated it. So Cobra Kai stands as the example of how to do it properly, how to do a reboot properly, how to do a remake properly, how to do a continuation properly. They've set the bar. Because look, you can have shows that are about Los Angeles. You can have books Right. Remember a tale of two cities. The -hmm. two cities are London and Paris. You can tell these types of stories, but don't take a story that wasn't about that and turn it into something else and change the story. That's dishonest. Second trailer. Santa Inc. While we're talking about dishonest things, right? Santa Inc. is an HBO Max and adult animated show uh, about an elf, a female elf voiced by Sarah Silverman, who works for Santa Claus who is old and a jerk. He's played by Seth Rogen and everybody hates him. And she's determined that she is going to be Santa because Santa in this world, breaking is a bunch that of candy different cane people. ceiling, <laughs> breaking the candy cane ceiling. Right. Because Santa in this world 
has been a bunch of different people throughout history, but they've always been white men. And the, 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 the Christmas Council is apparently all white men. So this movie essentially has already been done. It's called Noel. Uh, it was on Disney Plus when Disney Plus uh, first launched. It was starring Anna Kendrick. And even though it ended with Anna Kendrick becoming Santa, it was much less didactic than this. It was much less on the nose and thus much less offensive. And when I say offensive, it's not offensive that this is woke. It's offensive that this is so obvious. Oh, well, this is all white people. Santa's always been white. Santa's always been white because he's based off of a guy from fucking Norway. That's why Santa's always been white. It it really it really does seem like sometimes people are trying to change our culture. But I don't think I think I don't think with Seth Rogen and Sarah Silverman, I think this is just pandering. I think this is pure yeah. pandering. Uh, I, this doesn't look interesting in any way. And it's unfortunate to see Seth Rogen go down this route. Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what the Rotten Tomato scores, uh, if we'll be allowed to vote on this one. Um, I don't think anyone's even going to see it. Just looking at the preview, it's uh, the, if if the first one we did was confusingly pretentious, this is just insufferable. Definitely tackle. Tackle. Third trailer. Around the World in 80 Days is a BBC series starring David Tennant that will be co-released in America on PBS. This uh, is an adaptation of Jules Verne's novel Around the World in 80 Days. And it it just looks like a BBC show. If you like BBC shows, you're going to like it. I don't know if I would ever get around to watching it. There's nothing in here that I found particularly bad. There's nothing in here I found particularly amazing. But again, if you like BBC shows, if you like David Tennant, if you like the Doctor Who, the the Doctor Who run with David Tennant, I think you'll like this. For me, though, it's not a tackle, so I'll just give it a Netflix and hug in case I ever watch it. Netflix and hug. Yeah, this looks well made. Uh, you know, I do like watching uh, David Tennant. I think he's a good actor. Uh, I like, uh, it's a story I remember reading as a kid, but I don't think I've read it since. Um, I think the, the, the way it's made, it looks just from the setting and set design, it looks interesting. So maybe that's one of, uh, what a movie I put on in the background while I'm doing other things. Uh, nothing particularly strongly making me want to see it, but also it looks well done. It looks well made and it's telling a classic story. Uh, with some good actors, so I will give it a Netflix and hug. Netflix and hug. Final trailer. DC League of Super Pets is an animated movie about the pets of the Justice League. Uh, these are characters that have famously been around for a while, right? Like Crypto, the Super Dog, Superman's uh, pet. This is not something that's been invented out of thin air just to make some money. Although the movie certainly is for that. Uh, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, voices Crypto. There are other famous voices in this cast, such as Kevin Hart, Kate McKinnon, John Krasinski, uh, Natasha Leon, Keanu Reeves. And Thomas Middleditch is in this, if you know him from Silicon Valley. Uh, Mark Marin plays Lex Luthor, which that sounds like it could be interesting. 
Mark Maron kind of is Lex Luthor, if he were real, the way people think of him. Uh, so here's the thing. It looks like it's for kids, right? But I really like the cast, and this looks like it could be entertaining. So this is something that I will see at some point, even if it's just on HBO Max. Hug. Hug. I don't know if I liked this. Uh, like you said, it's not completely out of thin air made up characters, but like, haven't we seen like, wasn't there like a dog movie, Disney dog movie about a dog with superpowers? Uh, there's been Bolt. There's been. Yeah. Bolt. Yeah. And, and then there's. Air the, Bud. Uh, yeah. Air Bud. But what's the universal animated one? I don't remember, the, the but yeah. Life, this, the Secret Life of Pets. Yeah. Secret Life of Pets. There you go. So it, it didn't really, it didn't really. I don't know. Nothing wrong with it. it. Just didn't seem interesting. So I'm gonna very, very lightly tackle it. Tackle. I agree. Except it has the rock in it. So I'm oh well, see there it. we go. Now we have it. Yeah. All right, William. What did we learn this trip? I learned that Superman's dog's name was Crypto. Justin, what did you learn this trip? Uh, I learned that. Um... Thomas Jefferson actually said a whole lot of other things that I didn't just know, and I learned that you can go to Monticello.org to figure that out, because I just only knew the couple things from, you know, going and visiting Monticello, but hey, there's a whole bunch of stuff. As always, I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. If it wasn't for you, this would just be me talking into a corner in the closet like a crazy person. I mean, it still is that, but I just feel a little bit less crazy with you listening. If you want to support the show, you can do so by going to midside.com slash store, go to midside.com slash the cut, and buy my novel. You can go to the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash locals, and you can support the show there. Patreon is per episode, locals is per month. That's how we keep the lights on, keep this show going and funded. Of course, the most important way is you can tell a friend. If you really want to grow the show, tell a friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emelzeski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have an Omicron day. Apparently there's no tag this time, so. That's okay. We got to keep them guessing.